Welcome to another episode of Make Your Feature Film Podcast. Today we are talking about, is it possible to make a movie without a script? And how would one go about it? I did. The movie was called Monster Gold, my second feature film that is apparently starting to gain attention, but most of all, everywhere that it's played has won some sort of award for Audience Choice Award or Most Purchased Tickets to See. Let's jump into it. Music. Hi, Ridge here, and welcome to another episode of the Make Your Feature Film Podcast brought to you by Simplified Filming. If you are ready to quit your day job and go make your feature film, turn it into a full-time business, and finally become the filmmaker that you were always meant to be, go join the tribe over at simplifiedfilming.com and uh, finally become the filmmaker you were always meant to be. Anyway, let's jump into it. So today, we are talking about, is it possible to jump out there and make a movie that you don't have a script for? So what I did with Monster Gold is I wrote a concept. Alex Ferrari in his books, definitely go to IndieFilmHustle.com or TheFilmTrepreneur.com and buy his book, Rise of the Film Entrepreneur. He talks about the same concept. It's called a scriptment. But mine, because it was a found footage film, was more like a scriptment shot list listment. Uh, a shot list scriptment. Moving on. The point is, you make your movie based on concepts that happen within the movie. So, you're going to start out. Here's your beginning. Here's our end. Here's what happens in the middle. And you can sometimes come up with ideas and develop it. So let me just, instead of trying to quantify that, let me just break it down exactly what I did. I believe it was, uh, it was early 2017. I remember texting my friend, Mitch, I've got to make a movie. I'm going to make a found footage film because found footage tends to be easier to shoot because you're not super worried about lighting, sound, things like that. I mean, it still needs to be excellent sound. I'm never going to, never going to say don't worry about sound. Ever 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 will you catch me saying that but I knew that there's slightly more flexibility in it so I started backing into my resources I knew I could shoot in the woods I knew I could do just me and I knew I could do a like a survival kind of footage like you know he's trying to make a survival film uh, very much inspired by Will Tex Montana survive a filmmaker that shot a film I believe it was local I'll have to forgive me, but Will Tex Montana Survive? Go check it out on Amazon. That's what kind of inspired it. It's like, I can make a movie like that. He made his for 1500 Mine was 3000 But I believe he shot his completely and solely by himself. Genius idea. So I decided to mimic it. So I said, okay. So a guy goes out to try to find, I don't know, a treasure, right? So then I began to develop the character. So I knew that that was the premise. And I thought, well, what if he's trying to make a survival video while he's doing it? Because he's trying to impress his dad. Okay, well, that became the second premise. Then I began to develop his character and actually like walk through what happened in his life. What made him want to do this? And I developed the story that his brother was a military agent that was part of the convoy that took down bin Laden. So the dad is incredibly proud of him. But all Ryan does is play video games and complains and doesn't do anything successful. So I developed this character and I began to then write this script out. So I started writing out really funny things like 
the way he goes to start the fire. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It makes sparks go down. And I begin to write out these funny scenes as he's journeying to look for, at the time, was called Monster Treasure. The Monster Treasure. It's, it's the monster stash. And it's protected by, you know, it's just literally just spitballing stuff and then slowly begin to come together. I was writing out the scriptment. So I literally didn't even know how it was going to end. But I knew. I knew I knew the character. And that's the biggest difference. You can take your character, if you have a believable character, people will want to see what happens to them. There were so many people, when I showed my wife the film for the first time, and then, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Monster Gold, when he dies at the end, she was like, what the F? He didn't deserve to die. She cared about him. She cared about the fact that he died because he didn't deserve it. He was just an idiot. But people cared about it. And because I developed this character, thought about it, lived in this character's shoes for multiple days, even though the film's sporadic and it does tons of scenes that aren't necessarily related to the overall storyline, people care about it because the character's believable. We, why do you think reality TV is so popular? Like, there are reality TV shows that like nothing happens. But people want to watch them because they believe the characters. Because they connect with them. And that's what I set out to do with Ryan. I said, how do I make this character believable? So when we got together for our first script read, this was the day, this was our practice day, a day before shooting. Tip for filmmakers, try to have a practice day where it's a full on, everyone's there, cast and crew, we're going to practice what our set is going to run like. If you can afford or even ask and beg and give them awesome food to be able to do that, do it because I'm telling you, you will work out the kinks before you're actually spending money. Do it, do it, do it. But on that day that we were shooting this practice day, we're sitting down here and we're talking. And I said, okay, I want, first of all, before we get into our scriptment, scriptment shot listment, I want to explain who this character is. And I started explaining, I said, a basic summarization would be, this character is me, as you guys know me, because most of the people there have known me since I was like 17. I said, it's basically me had I not gotten married. And they were all like, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. We got that. And I was like, oh, okay, that easy to understand. Okay. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we jumped into it. And I said, now I know I only have, I think it was 12 pages of a scriptment or scriptment shot listment. And I said, we're going to need to come up with scenes. As we begin to learn this character and understand it, let's all, because I've written screenplays with a lot of the cast, uh, Kathleen Underhill and Mitch Underhill. Mitch Underhill was a sound design, and Kathleen Underhill was continuity and scripty. I said, well, and a character judge. So she would, uh, like, this seems out of character for him or whatever. But... And a practice day really helped, so they would really get the idea of who this character was. So we set out them understanding the character and also understanding we're going to need to come up with extra scenes because I think I've got about a 40-minute movie here. 
and I want to make this movie at least an hour and 10 minutes. So after the first day, I think Kathleen Underhill told me I'm not getting what's going on here. Second day we shot, she still was like a little unsure. She's like, I think I'm getting it. So on our day off, we switched some schedules around. On our day off, I edited some scenes together real quick, some dailies, and I sent it to everyone. And she's like, now I get it. Now I get what this film is supposed to feel like because it was such an unusual style of film. I mean, it was a film basically that we're supposed to laugh at this guy trying to make survival videos. Meanwhile, there's this underlined score, this underlined story of him trying to impress and, and make his dad proud of him of something he's trying to do. So finally, when we finished the film, I definitely decided I think I'm going to kill Ryan. Because at that point, I hadn't decided. I hadn't fully decided whether I wanted to kill Ryan or not. But I had a bigger message that I wanted to teach. And that's the statement that you see at the end of Monster Gold. I'll let you go and actually watch it. And it ends up being just a beautiful statement or phrase that really encapsulates the, the, the falseness of pursuing dreams for the wrong reason. And it ended up being this just really kind of well thought out structure. Now, I would love to say that I had planned that from the beginning, but I didn't. But you want, you want to know why I was successful? I was successful because I made a believable character that we could all relate to. Yes, we watched him do the most idiotic things that most people in the world wouldn't do. But it's believable enough that we all go, hmm. What am I doing that's that effing stupid? Am I pursuing dreams for the wrong reason? Only to impress my dad? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Am I this stupid? Am I that? And then that's why, it's, that's why it connects so well with people. Most of my friends, I had one friend that said he watched it four times. I had one business partner that said he watched it twice and then watched it one time with another friend. It connects with people. Because it isn't just slapstick through the whole thing. I use slapstick as a crutch to make us, you know, cobble through this. But because the character's believable. Because I set time before writing the script meant shotless meant. I wanted to understand the character. So yes, it's possible to go make a feature film, especially a low budget one like this, without a script. But the absolute most important thing is that you write your character's bio. Spend time to write their life history out. What happened in their life to make them want to do what they're going to do. Make it believable. When you're sitting at a bar or at a church function and you're talking with somebody, we all know the exaggerators, right? Oh yeah, I used to be a firefighter and then I was a nom and then I and you're just like I don't want to connect with you. You are a stupid human. But when you sit with somebody that t they tell you a story that's believable and connectable, how when you really do sit down with a Vietnam vet, right? And he tells you, well, you know, his first wife left him because he went to Nam and stuff like that. You just you instantly connect because it's believable. They're not lying. It's the same way in script writing. When there's a character that in one scene does this, and one scene does the exact opposite of that, suddenly we don't believe him anymore and we don't want to talk with them anymore. And that's what makes movies bad. 
You have to write believable characters. You have to think through their history, write their bio, write everything that happened. What was the big event that happened when they were five? What was the big event that happened when they were 10? What were the big things? Did they move? Was he an army brat? Write through. There are some times that I will write three page bios of my characters. I'll show it to my friend Mitch Underhill, who's a writer. He'll look at it and he's like, honestly, I like this story better than the one that you're about to make. And it's just the truth. Because you're writing a character that's believable. Gain experience from your own life or maybe your friend's experience. But the point is, you can do it without a script. You just have to have a very clear vision of what your character's doing, what they're doing, and then of course, more importantly, when it comes to actual shooting, you have a very specific schedule of what needs to happen. I'm not saying don't have anything on paper. I'm saying having a script meant or a script meant shot list meant is a perfect way to go about shooting these ultra low budget, high speed style feature films. It's an excellent way to do it. It's perfectly achievable. You have to have an excellent crew, a crew that believes in you, and a track record of, you know, really good products. If this is your first time, I'd recommend having a full script. So go out there. Try making a short film. Try making just a like a 10-second short film that just encapsulate a concept. So that's your homework. Go out and make a very simple script mint shot list mint. When I say shot list mint, make sure you're actually writing down your shots. Anyway, with that, it is possible to be done, but the absolute most important thing is that your characters are believable and people believe the characters. And in the meantime, always be creating. Welcome to another episode of the Make a Feature Film podcast, recording from in my car, on the way to work on a very cold and blustery day. We just got about four or five inches of snow, and it reminded me of some filmmakers that tried on a very ultra-low budget, basically a volunteer budget, tried to get their filmmakers to trounce through snow like this in the middle of winter, some filming kids that were 11 and I think 13 to go and work out in weather like this to film. But you know what they say, pain is temporary, film is forever. And that is bullshit. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Make a Feature Film podcast brought to you by Simplified Filming. If you are interested in taking the steps to making your first feature film and turning it into a full-time business, go to simplifiedfilming.com and sign up with the tribe of people that are doing the exact same thing you are. Filming in harsh environments. Whether it's blazing hot out or whether there's 10 inches of snow and it's sub-zero or even in the teens or even, God forbid, lower than that, you have to keep a couple things in mind. First off, let's start off, I wanna start off with a story. So I was approached by a distribution company, who shall remain nameless, about shooting a movie called Winter Sniper. They're like, all we need to see is a guy running around with some firearms and we can make a good poster and a good trailer, do that. So I wrote a treatment, sent it to them. Long story short, this never happened. This took months and months. 
and back and forth, emailing, like, let's get this thing going. And I've talked about it in different uh, on a different podcast. But the long story short was they, they never followed through. They didn't care. They just didn't want me to make the movie for someone else. That was the long and short of it. They didn't care whether I made a movie for them or not. They just didn't want me making movies for someone else. So they just halted my business, kept emailing me enough when I was about ready to say, I'm about ready to pull the plug on this. Okay, and then finally I would get an email from them. Yeah, then let's definitely move forward. We'll get you those contracts just right away, just in any minute now. And then I'd never hear from them. Minutes, days would pass, weeks would pass, not hearing from them. I'd send them another email. This is unprofessional, guys. I think I've got to move on. Then, bam, they would respond. This happened for three months straight. They were supposed to pay us to make a movie. And they asked us, can you make a movie in Montana during the winter for like $6,000? And can you just like real quick shoot it in like four days? We'll send up a red camera. We'll send up uh, one of our producers. And I'm like, hold on. You want us to shoot a movie, an action film, in four days for less than $10,000? And he just kept saying, well, you just got to figure out where to cut your costs. Okay, so you got to figure out where you can cut your costs. And I'm like, I made two feature films, one for $7,000. It took us seven days to shoot. And a very, very simple video or second feature film that I shot for $3,000 in four days. He's like, well, there you go. Do that. I was like, it's not an action film. There's one single actor. Big effing difference. I'm like, do you want this to actually look good? And the CEO emailed me and was all like, oh yeah, it needs to have a good story. It needs to have a phenomenal soundtrack. It needs to be edited and color graded really super good. And I'm like, and you're asking this for $6,000 and have it shot in four days? Are you insane? But the, the idea is that these companies, they just simply take advantage. And, you know, they're very well known for doing uh, faith-based films because churches love to volunteer for stuff like this. Because not only are they advancing their career as an actor, they're also helping Jesus. So it's so easy to go into these churches, take advantage of everyone's hard work, go to the next church, do the same thing. But anyway, that was a basic summary of the story. And I began to tell him, we can't shoot in this harsh environment and not pay people. Because this has happened before. I've known people that have worked with people that have shot in these harsh environments. And they said and swore up and down that they would never work with that filmmaker again. Because A, there was no worming huts. B, they didn't even have like toe warmers or extra socks or extra jackets or extra gloves or anything like that. So, tip number one for all filmmakers, when shooting in really harsh environments, it is absolutely essential that you take the time to make sure that your cast and crew is warm or cool if shooting in a hot environment and have plenty of warm or cool beverages, but also have tons of extra miscellaneous warming equipment, such as hand warmers. I mean, go to freaking Costco and buy two of those big giant bundles of, of hand warmers, right? Go find a, a cheap place to buy tons of either A, wool socks or just extra socks, 
They don't have to be like high quality wool, just extra layers in case somebody's feet gets wet. Now they're freezing. Buy those extra cheap knit gloves that you get like two for a dollar at the dollar store. Get tons of those. I think for like 24 bucks you can get uh, 24 pairs of uh, uh, big cotton knitted construction gloves at like Home Depot. Right? Get like tons of extra caps. Go to the, you know, right during the spring. You go to like the dollar store or Walmart and they're going to have tons of these knitted hats. Buy a bunch of them. Because somebody, somebody inevitably is going to forget and you don't want that crew member or actor freezing to death. Now, extra jackets is a, is a lot more difficult. But there's no reason you couldn't buy multiple different uh, extra sweaters of some kind, you know. An extra double-layered sweater and you buy, you know, one to four or five of them in different sizes. You know, you're talking like a max of 100 bucks here. Now, I know for some of you budgets, are like, hey, that's half my budget. I get that. But you know what's more important than your budget? Is your reputation as a filmmaker. Because if these people feel uncomfortable and you're making them stay there and work hard and tranche through snow, tramp, tramp, tramp through snow? Yeah. And they're freezing and their toes are getting wet and they're getting snows in their boots. Snow in their boots. Guess what? They're not going to want to work with you again. And that's just a simple fact. But if you come prepared and you have maybe a trailer or a camper or something on the, on the set, maybe when you're out in the snow or if it's out in a really warm environment, a place for people to go in, cool off, get water or go in, get some hot cocoa, get some hot chocolate, get some hot cider and, 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 and warm up or cool down people are going to be a lot more inclined to work for free. This idea of pain is temporary, <clears throat> excuse me, the idea that pain is temporary, film is forever, it's for the people that are rolling out thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars an hour to keep a crew going. So yeah, I'm sorry, someone like Peter Jackson or whatever, like, you know, that I think he coined that in one of the behind the scenes. Paints temporary films forever. When he's paying these actors just gobs of money, yeah, you get to push your actors a little bit. But we don't get that luxury. We don't get to just mimic what big directors do so we feel all good. Mimicking what a big director does does not make you a good director. Talk about that in previous podcasts. So do not, do not make your cast and crew uncomfortable. You absolutely cannot do that. You don't have the money, the reputation, or the luxury to do so. You must always, always, above even your movie, be thinking about the comfort of your cast and crew. Because your reputation will last longer than your movie will. Because in the end, your movie is probably only going to get on some VOD and you'll make, you know, a few thousand bucks, you know, over the course of a couple years. Now, if you push like a film entrepreneur, re referencing Alex Ferrari's book, Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, if you push, then yeah, yeah, you could turn it into a full-time business and you absolutely can. And that's your ultimate goal. But in the end, if you have tons of cast and crew members in your local area, that hate you and don't want to work with you because you put them through hell so you can get your little movie done, 
Well, F you up the bum. I mean, you can't do that. You absolutely can't. But it's so easy for us as creators and directors to just play this whole, oh, look at me, I'm a big director. I'm a big director. I'm doing like the directors do, pushing people and like Hitchcock did and like uh, Stanley Kubrick did, just pushing them to the point they're in so much pain or fear. Like F that. You know, that is just wrong. Just morally. Just absolutely morally wrong to do. And I don't care how much you're paying your actors. So, don't make your cast and crew uncomfortable. Absolutely. No matter what, beyond a shadow of a doubt, make sure that your cast and crew is taken care of, that it's comfortable, that they feel like at the end of the day, they would say 100%, no doubt, I want to work with this director again. And in the meantime, always be creative.